Welcome to Different From The Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents with challenging children with host Angela Sunis, a parent whose teen was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Each episode, Angela will have a discussion with an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the other kids, season one, a production of Marketing Maven. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Different from the Other Kids. Quote, I am unable to describe what is the matter with me. Now and then there are horrible fits of anxiety, apparently without cause. According to an article posted on CNN World uh, by a gentleman named William Lee Adams, what researchers have found is that people working in creative fields, including dancers, photographers, and authors, were 8% more likely to live with bipolar disorder. Writers were staggering 121% more likely to suffer from the condition and nearly 50% more likely to commit suicide than the general population. They also found that people in creative professions were more likely to have relatives with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, anorexia, and autism. I thought that was outstanding. Um, The numbers are staggering. Some people in history that have suffered from mood disorder, Charles Dickens, Tennessee Williams, Ernest Hemingway, Leo Leo Tolstoy, and Virginia Woolf. Now, as I have said uh, in my last podcast, I did want to bring your attention to people like Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, and Jonathan Winters. Uh, Their comic genius wouldn't have existed without the presence of their bipolar disorder. Very happy to uh, introduce to you uh, somebody that's going to be talking to us about mental illness and the arts. I'm sitting here once again with Danica. Lovely to see you, Danica. Thanks so much for coming. Danica works for uh, Workman Arts, which is an organization that promotes art yeah. <laughs> uh, within the mental health community. And uh, I, I'm really excited about this because it is such a nice, lovely, positive, upbeat opportunity for us to have a conversation about mental illness uh, in a situation where uh, some of the interviews that that are happening at different times are a little bit heavy. So this is this is really, really a nice opportunity. So I thank you very much, Danica, for coming. We are on location, so my sound editors are going to kill me. They are really going to have a hard time with this, and I apologize in advance. And I apologize to the listeners if you're hearing a bunch of stuff in the background. We are on location in the galley of a boat in Toronto Harbor. I met Danica as a fellow boater. Uh, at a uh, talent night is basically what it is. It's an open mic night, and Danica knocked the heck out of a, a few songs. She's an amazing performer, has an amazing voice, and uh, that's how we got to meet. So we're sitting here. She's got her boat here. She lives on her boat. Um, I am a weekend warrior on the boat, uh, but I'm actually taking a week holiday. So I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to get an opportunity to speak to Danica one-on-one and let you guys know what it is that she's doing and what it is that her organization is doing. And it really is uplifting and, and very positive and, and a fantastic organization. Uh, so welcome, Danica. If you wouldn't mind, one more time, tell me a little bit about your organization. 
Absolutely. So I work for Workman Arts Project of Ontario. Uh, Workman Arts has been around uh, for about 26, 27 years now. Uh, it started off as a program at CAMH and was founded by Lisa Brown, who was a psychiatric nurse at CAMH, who just kind of found herself gravitating towards the artistic and vice versa. And she started an organization, uh, became its separate organization with a separate board of directors, and has been thriving ever since. We have about 300 artists in all disciplines. So we work with media artists, visual artists, performing artists, musicians, uh, visual artists, and literary artists. And we provide training and exhibition art opportunities to any artist who has received services for mental health or addiction. We do work closely with CAMH, but we work with artists who have received services from anywhere. Um, our age range right now, we have um, a lot of people who are, you know, 50s, 60s. But in the past two, three years that I've noticed, we've had uh, a great increase in a younger demographic, which raises a lot of really interesting questions like, are youth more comfortable talking about mental health earlier on in their, in their diagnosis? Are they having these conversations amongst their peers? Are there more places for youth to reach out to and find the support? And also within the arts community, are artists now becoming more comfortable divulging or speaking about um, the own struggles that they're going through? And of course, you know, within arts, um, who isn't? completely mad uh, <laughs> to be an artist who doesn't self-medicate within certain circles and the, these conversations come out constantly we've had incredible um, symposiums discussions debates oh the debates get extremely heated um, about you know what comes first the artist or the madness <laughs> <laughs> I've often wondered that myself because there is there is no clear division there. There is no start. There is no end. You really don't know. So you mentioned the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Um, I know that there is a link to uh, their site um, off of yours. So could you explain what the background is uh, between you? Because I know the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto is absolutely outstanding um, as far as having uh, cutting-edge programs of all different kinds and um, yeah what is what is the connection there so we like to say that we are a proud partner or we are par uh, proudly supported by uh, CAMH Center for Addiction and Mental Health um, we receive some operating funds from them. Uh, we'll partner with them, especially for co-presentations, uh, especially with our film festival or any larger project that we're working on. But we pr we get most of our funding from arts organizations, so Ontario Arts Council, Toronto Arts Council, Canada Arts Council, um, Heritage Canada. Uh, so we write grants. We It's always grant writing season in our office, <laughs> and we're always looking for ways to find funds. We also have some... Um, um, some private, some independent sponsors who will come on board for larger projects. It's easier to get project funding when you have something shiny and marketable and uh, packaged with a nice little bow around it. Harder to find operational grants that allow us to continue to do um, the work that we need to be doing. But CAMH has always been an incredible place, an incredible space for resources for us. Um, again, if we're ever having any panel discussions, we have at our fingertips a wide array of individuals who are um, the best of the best at what they do. Um, there's been some incredible psychologists that we've worked with. And of course, 
the occupational therapists or the recreational therapists are the people that we go to to help promote our programs. Um, we are at a point right now where we do have a waiting list uh, for artists wanting to join the organization. Um, I am at the point now where I might get two, three calls a day from artists looking to join the program. We don't have the capacity right now to continue growing at the rate that is being asked of us, but it is also forcing us to make connections with other like-minded organizations to make sure that nobody gets a no. There's always, there has to be somewhere for some, for an artist to, uh, to find an outlet, to find a community, uh, to find a safe, psychologically safe environment for them to create and, uh, and do the work that they need to do. So through CAMH, um, one project that we're, we're just wrapping up right now is called Arts Cafe, and that's through Addiction Medicine Services, where uh, they received an internal grant to hire our senior artists to go back to an outpatient program and provide arts programming on the CAMH campus. So this not only gives our senior artists teaching experience, um, and teaching truly will, will continue to develop you as an artist in whatever you're doing. If you're a teacher, you are a critical thinker and you're someone who's going to continue to grow in whatever you're endeavoring to do. So um, providing paid opportunities for our artists to teach in a community that they've come from is starting to be a model that we're really chasing after. Um, we also have a group of actors who are hired by CAMH Education Services to provide uh, what's called standardized patient scenarios and sessions. So they are paid to, they're paid well to go in and role play uh, as different cool. clients. As That's part, fantastic. Yeah, as part of clinical training. So it's actually we are the only organization that offers specifically actors who have been through the mental health system to go back and be a part of mental health clinical training. Um, and this can be anything from um, concurrent disorders. Uh, they can be very, very, very specific. We'll have a single actor go in and do four sessions where they're anything from a 17-year-old girl to a 65-year-old male, and a single actor will portray four to five sessions. Some of these are face-to-face -face with clinicians. Some of these are over Skype. Um, these can be cross-Canada. We work with incredible people at CAMH who are working very hard to get this program up on its feet. We hope to be able to offer it to different hospitals, um, not just uh, psychiatric hospitals, um, but we've been working with many different paramedics. Um, what's really fun, too, I mean, we've been offering an improv class for a million years. Improv is very, very popular. We've been working with the incredibly talented, super amazing Kate Ashby. Look her up. Everything she does is incredible. She's such a superhuman being. And she'll take on a group of 20 of our actors and put them through improv madness. It's just incredible what they do. I've seen people who are afraid to start conversations say the most outlandish things in front of an audience. But improv is actually beginning to get integrated into clinical training so that clinicians have a way of troubleshooting, problem solving, any instance or situation that might come up. And the first thing you learn in improv is to never say no. Um, if something comes up, you say yes and. And to never dismiss, uh, to never discourage, to constantly keep a line of communication open and, and keep momentum going 
only keep that ball up in the air. So Kate Ashby, who we've been working with for, gosh, I think 13, 14 years now at our organization, has been brought in to different conversations through CAMH to talk about um, starting a really uh, pointed improv training aspect to clinicians at CAMH and other hospitals. That is so fantastic. That is such a great thing. I remember doing lifeguard training when I was younger, and we used to make each other up and put oatmeal in our mouth and barf it out so that <laughs> when it is that you actually got into that situation, you weren't yeah. shocked and confused. And to this day, that is yeah. the best training I ever had because I am, I'm the guy. Whenever it is that something happens to somebody, Ange, come on over. Yeah. Because you know what? They know I'm not going to be freaked out. I'll freak out later. Yeah. But at the time, I can handle whatever's happening. So that, wow, what amazing, amazing training. So what it is that I just picked up there is that this is also an opportunity to be employed. Absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. Absolutely. In in a number of different ways. I mean, we have an incredible art sales and rental program on our website um, for visual arts. Um, what we've figured out is that uh, organizations, companies, businesses can rent paintings and write it off as an operational cost. So we have programs where they can rent for six months a painting, have it up, and what happens nine times out of ten is they have it up for six months, they love it, they buy it, great, or somebody sees it and they buy it. Um, so we have a great art uh, art centers art rentals and sales program. Um, we also, so we have our acting opportunities, um, we have, we're, we're growing in our media arts department. I mean, film is a tricky industry at the best of times. Um, it's something we struggle to uh, keep all of our programs uh, accessible to any artist, and a lot of our artists are on ODSP or some sort of assistant, assisted living. So we, uh, we want to make sure that if we're offering something that we have the equipment available. So that's been a bit of a struggle with, with film and media arts. But employment opportunities, absolutely. Uh, if we have senior artists, and by senior, I mean someone who's been working in their field for a while, we'll employ them as instructors, as, as Workman Arts member instructors. And they're incredible because they know exactly the community that they're working with. Um, we... Uh, we work to we have a great group of musicians who get hired as musicians in the community and you know in a lot of ways I feel like an agent sometimes someone will call me and say okay I got this great banquet going on here's kind of the feel that we're looking for who would you suggest I might suggest a, a piano player one of our violin players a clarinet player um, we have a couple small ensembles I ran a small ensemble class for a few seasons at the organization of just how to work and collaborate with different musicians um, music is a, is a special art form. You you can't do it in a bubble. It's very hard to to do everything on your own as a musician. Collaboration is key. So how to have a conversation about choosing a piece of music, um, how you rehearse, how you get along together. And when you're dealing with artists who have received services for mental health or addiction, you're throwing a, a, quite a few personalities into one room in some situations and how to negotiate that, how to work with people. So there's an incredible amount of understanding and, and patience that our artists have for themselves and, and for other artists that they work with in our organization. But we are constantly trying to provide professional development opportunities that will result in a, a viable career for our artists and we uh, we do track any any monies that our artists get through the organization we also um, try to help them out as much as possible so uh, if we have gallery openings if we have exhibition openings we will sell work and that money goes straight from the buyer 
to the artist and does not come through the organization. We take nothing off the top. Um, if I can negotiate something with um, with the buyer or, uh, you know, when we're working with CAMH, if I can negotiate an administration fee, that's a bonus. We never take 10% off the artist or anything like that. Our artists are not charged. All of our programs are free of charge. Again, accessibility is, is really key for us. But certainly employment opportunities, again, it's independence. Um, with ODSP, we've been working really closely with ODSP, actually, to make sure that artists don't get penalized for money that they make trying to start their career. And they've been incredible in helping our artists actually set up separate business accounts that they can um, put their expenses or get their expenses out of and put their earnings directly into these business accounts so they don't get penalized as an individual in a personal account. So um, we have an incredible uh, relationship with Equity, which is the theater Union of Canada. Uh, we have an equally incredible relationship with ACTRA that works with film and television actors um, who will help in creating a relationship that, again, doesn't penalize somebody for trying to start a career. And, you know, um, uh, membership dues, fees, taxes, all these things can be really, really expensive and may deter somebody from trying out this line of work. And, again, through just through simple outreach and conversations with these organizations, we've been able to strike up some really great partnerships and again continue a really great conversation about artists trying to break into this field that's amazing now i wanted to ask you i know that you've got other programs as well um we've covered a little bit i guess of uh the film festival mm -hmm. now we've covered a little bit of um musicians mm -hmm. and um or music now, one of the stats that I had here was that uh, writers were staggering 121% more likely to suffer from bipolar, specifically, was what I had read. What kind of programs do you have for writers specifically? We've been working with Bill Bissett, who is a sound poet in Canada. He's been around since the 1960s. He is incredible. He is such a cool human being. Um, so we've had an incredible poetry um, program with Workman Arts. He was our poet in residence for about four or five years. And we put out a poetry anthology where our artists got, um, got paid to get published. They got copies of their book. That book is available for sale through our website as well. It was published by CAMH, which is another fantastic resource that they've provided us with. Um, we also work with Robert Huff, who's an incredible Toronto novelist. And uh, again, it's holding people to a standard that is realistic. We don't want our artists to be creating in a bubble so that when they leave Workman Arts or try to get work outside of Workman Arts that there's a barrier that we've created just by trying to support them in our insulated community. We want to provide high-end academic training courses that will pull them up to a level that will actually benefit them in the long run. So Robert Huff has created some excellent workshops actual real workshops where they can critique each other's work, um, help develop their work. Um, our literary artists have also started in a program um, that I started a couple years ago called Theatre Ensemble. Theatre is my background, it's my baby. This is the reason that I love Workman Arts is because I can start these kinds of programs. But it started off as a literary course, playwriting, writing for the stage. So we took our, our literary artists, again the best of the literary artists, and put them through a series of training programs that would help them create 
create for the stage. Not just script writing, but more abstract thinking about what it is to create for the stage. We then brought in actors who started to workshop on top of that work, um, the original work written by our artists. So we had our actors and we had our literary artists working together in creating original pieces. And then we brought in some visual artists and media artists to help with the design aspect. We brought in an incredible designer, um, Glenn Davidson. Uh, we've been working with Kate Lushington, an incredible playwright in Toronto, and actually her daughter, Natasha Greenblatt, who's a great actress, director. She's a uh, absolutely incredible up-and-comer. I mean, I shouldn't even say up-and-comer. She's up and gone. She's incredible. <laughs> and um, so to have a mother-daughter duo working on on such a great project, um, we've also been working with Kit Tuff, uh, another incredible Toronto artist. One thing we pride ourselves in is hiring currently active working artists in the Toronto arts community. It helps as a bridge for our artists to get into the community because, again, if, if an instructor comes and they bond and they, they collaborate with one of our artists, they might use them in future projects. Um, they might come to them for, for more work opportunities. So, again, we don't want to get instructors who, you know, if you, if you can't do teach, that's not going to serve anybody anything. Uh, we want people who are currently active, who are up on, on, on newer newer trends not just old traditions so a lot of what I like to do is get different disciplines working with other disciplines um, another one we did was take literary artists and partner them with visual artists to create illustrated stories and bring people out of their comfort zone you don't grow unless you're taken out of your comfort zone so to get other artists working with each other figuring out different ways that they can support each other and collaborate that's what I I love to do. That's the challenge that I really enjoy. Um, we're currently working on a digital storytelling program that will bring photographers into a more media arts related um, discipline and focus uh, to, I mean, digital storytelling is huge right now. It's also quite accessible. You don't need a lot of equipment. You don't need a lot of technical knowledge to be able to edit these things and put them together. Um, so again, accessibility, huge collaboration, huge. Um, so for me, bringing the different disciplines together um, is, is a really big part of the, of the programming work that I do. Okay. Now, just another uh, aspect of things here. I'm wondering, you must have a program for dancers because you're a dancer. Not only does she do theater, not only does she sing, but yes, she dances too. Go ahead. So um, movement, we've done a lot of different programs, um, movement for theater or movement for actors, how to, I mean, having a connection with your body is huge um, in mental health recovery and addictions recovery, just to be a healthy person in general, to have a healthy relationship with your body and your movement is key. So we've done, uh, we partnered a lot with Moynan King, who is an incredible movement instructor in Toronto, and creating uh, a trust in your body and a trust in physical space and those around you uh, to create different things and there were some incredible things that came out of that one of our original productions Third Eye Looming which is how I got involved with the organization to begin with um, is a production that was created through a collaboration of artists who shared their stories and not too surprising as soon as you start sharing stories you start realizing common ground um, 
or visions, common visions that people would have through different parts of their psychosis or through their mania, um, common experiences. Really? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Um, common experiences with the law, um, with uh, mm-hmm. mental health organizations, with incarceration, with family members. What happens to your family um, when you are ill? What happens to the relationships with your family when you get ill? So a group of actors got together and they shared their stories and we worked with Ed Roy. I love Ed Roy. Ed Roy is fantastic. <laughs> I cannot stress this enough. He's an incredible creator. Um, he's an incredible human being. And he facilitated this whole discussion and created a 60-minute movement piece called Third Eye Looming. The whole piece is set to um, a video projection, which helps to illustrate psychosis, which can be very difficult to describe. I couldn't imagine describing psychosis. It's a trip. (laughs) And it... It also um, was developed as an easy-to-tour production. There's not a stick of furniture. There's no set. There's no scenery. There's minimal minimal everything. Minimal costumes, minimal makeup, minimal uh, cast. Um, the first time we did it, we had a cast of seven. The last time we did it, we had a cast of six. And it's about the everyman. It's about going from getting up for a day of work and just kind of having your world crumble around you. Um, and, you know, going through paranoia, going through delusion, um, going through uh, incarceration. So we had this piece originally go to Amsterdam as part of the third Madness and Arts World Festival. Uh, this festival was started by Workman Arts in 2003 at Harbourfront Centre. In 2006, it went to Munster, Germany. And in 2010, it was in Harlem, Netherlands. And we took this piece to Harlem, Netherlands. Uh, we then remounted it uh, back in April, just this past April, 2014, as part of the Abilities Arts Festival at the Daniel Spectrum Theatre. Uh, remounted it, full equity production, which again is another great paid opportunity for our artists. Great contract work when you work with equity. Everything is unionized and you get to work with the best of the best. And that was another dance piece. So again, you know, we had to get everyone fit. We had hardcore workouts every day. That's six days a week, six hours a day um, that you are dancing and you are moving and you are collaborating. And even though Ed Roy is the director, um, he's the creator and, and director, he's so open to everyone's additions and ideas and that's hard for a director you don't get that in a director very often Um, he plays to everyone's strengths and he is understanding of people's weaknesses and again that is something you do not get in professional theater very often at all if you can't do it you're asked to leave you will find a replacement and uh, that just doesn't exist in this environment that we've created which is astounding and you know we've gotten from him too that it's it's a great experience to be in on the other side of the table as well um, and it's it's fantastic and it's, it's beautiful how these kinds of opportunities attract the best of the best that are out there again we had the best designer we had the best lighting guy we had the best stage manager things that you wouldn't normally think of um, really just attracted the best people out there so for movement dance is not specifically part of our mandate Danica is such a wonderful amazing very very warm interesting very well spoken spoken human being i am so appreciative that you were here 
tonight and for the last interview. I appreciate both. Uh, give me one more time. Give me, first of all, if you wouldn't mind, before we sign off, um, how is it that somebody gets in touch with you uh, in order to, you know, try to um, audition to be an artist? Uh, and also, please give me your websites again and let me know how it is that people can contact the organization. So I am Danica Brown, uh, and I can be reached through our website, workmanarts.com. So it's W-O-R-K-M-A-N-A-R-T-S dot com. You'll find out all the information on the different training programs that we provide. You can see biographies on our instructors, different collaborators and partners, um, as well as all of my contact information. You can contact us anytime. Shoot me an email. Send me a phone call. Again, unfortunately, right now we do have a bit of a waiting list, but I never like to leave somebody with a flat no. Um, there are other like-minded organizations. Unfortunately, a lot of funding has fallen apart, um, but there is still a lot out there. A lot of community centers will offer things. We are best suited for artists interested in professionally developing their arts practice, as opposed to just picking up a paintbrush for the first time or wanting to test things out. But if that's where you're at, too, we have lots of connections for those kinds of programs as well. So again, contact me through our website. Um, my phone number and my email address is readily accessible through there. Fantastic, Danica. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Please review our podcast on iTunes. This helps us spread our message. Don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. Check out the book on Amazon, and we'll see you next week. And now, a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I am not even that well-educated. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different from the Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate health care provider. Thanks for listening to Different from the Other Kids, made possible with the support of Regal Junction, your connection to quality and stylish premium pet products. You can find them online at www.regaljunction.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Different from the other kids. Season one, a production of Marketing Maven.